Friends, will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, send your Spirit now that it would light upon our hearts so that the words of my mouth and indeed the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O God. For you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So there's a, a story about two GIs at Normandy in World War II. One of their best friends was killed in the invasion and they wanted to bury his body. And as it happens, they had noticed an old Roman Catholic church at the edge of the village, one with a, a beautiful fence surrounding it. And on the inside of the fence was an equally beautiful old graveyard. And so these GIs took their friend's body there, hoping that they would receive permission to bury him inside the fence there in the graveyard. But when they found the priest to talk to him about it, the priest somewhat apologetically said to them, Listen, I'm sorry I really am, but, but the rule is you have to be Roman Catholic and, and you have to be a member of this parish in order to be buried here inside the fence in this graveyard. The soldiers, they begged and they pleaded, but the priest held his ground and said, Listen, I, I really am sorry, but that's the rule. But, um, but how about this? Listen, anywhere outside the fence, you can bury your friend anywhere you see just outside the fence. Just, just bury him there. G.I.'s disappointed, reluctant, took their fallen comrade outside the fence and picked a spot and dug the grave and, and buried his body there. The next day they returned to the spot intending to place a marker at the place where they had, they had buried their friend. But when they arrived at the spot or what they thought was the spot, they could find no sign of any grave having ever been dug there. They searched and searched. They walked the, the fence line of that whole side of the church, but still they could find no sign. Eventually, they walked the entire perimeter, and when they still found nothing, they went to the priest and they said, Father, forgive us. I don't know if you remember. We're the two soldiers who brought our friend yesterday. We had hoped to bury him inside the fence here in your graveyard, but you had told us to bury him outside, which is, is what we did, but, but now we can find no sign of where we buried him. We can find no grave. Father, do you know what happened? Do you know where we can find our friend? And the priest replied to this, them saying, yes. Yes, I, I know what happened, he said. You see, I was, I was so upset after our visit yesterday that I spent the first half of the night wide awake, tossing and turning with worry about what it is I had told you to do. And then there was a pause. And when the priest spoke again, he said, So I spent the second half of the night moving the fence. Huh. You know, when scholars look at this letter to the church in Rome, 
the letter that our verses today are drawn from, they typically identify three reasons they think Paul wrote this letter to those early Christians in ancient Rome. The first reason is to simply introduce himself. You see, at this point in Paul's life and ministry, he has never been to Rome. Unlike the other letters and epistles in the New Testament, most of which Paul is writing to people and to churches who he personally knows because he has personally helped to establish the Christian communities there, the church in Rome is different. Now, no doubt most of those to whom Paul is writing know him by reputation, but this is the first time they've ever heard from him directly. And so Paul is introducing himself and the gospel he is proclaiming to this church that he has never met before. The second reason scholars often point to comes later in Paul's letter, right near the end, chapter 15, where he solicits the prayers of the Roman Christians. He asks them to specifically pray for him as he is just then preparing to take a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. It's a, it's a unique and important journey in Paul's life and ministry because it's a pilgrimage where he intends to take an offering from the Gentile Christians that he has been ministering to and spending time with in places like Macedonia. He's, he's going to take an offering from those Gentile Christians and present it to those Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. Which leads to the third reason scholars often point to about why they think Paul felt compelled to write this letter to the church in Rome. And and the reason is Paul feels an urge, he feels a calling to preach and teach to them about the importance and the centrality even of unity in the Christian church. You see, the Roman church is a little different than other churches. Some years before this letter, the Roman emperor had expelled anyone of Jewish heritage from Rome. Anti-Semitism is not something of just the last few centuries. It is something that has been around for a long time. The emperor expels all of these people with Jewish heritage because they worship a God who uh, is not him. And in that worshiping, he senses a danger a threat to his authority and his rule. So he expels anyone of Jewish heritage, including those Jewish Christians, those men and women who grew up going to synagogue, studying Torah, but have come to profess faith in Jesus Christ as Messiah. They too are expelled. But now closer to the time Paul writes, That Roman emperor has died and a new emperor has taken over rule, Nero. And and those Jewish Christians, for the first time for some of them in decades, are now beginning to return to Rome. And so Paul senses that there is a unique historical moment unfolding in their life together. Because he understands that, that there are these Gentile Christians who never had to leave Rome who have been doing church without the presence or the influence of their Jewish Christian brothers and sisters who are now going to have to welcome back these Jewish Christians in to their life together. And Paul's concerned. Paul's concerned that there might be a temptation, there might be a misplaced understanding amongst those Gentile Christians that their Jewish Christian brothers and sisters are somehow outside the fence. 
And so Paul is writing throughout this letter, but especially in these verses, which are among the most eloquent and powerful in all of the scriptures. Paul is writing to that church in Rome to remind them that in Jesus Christ, we encounter a God who has spent the whole night moving the fence. You see, this passage, really the entire letter, it is proclaiming a gospel that is for people who feel outside the fence. Paul is writing to those people who are sick, sick with cancer, sick with COVID, sick with depression, with heartache, with, with addiction. He, he's writing to those people who feel as if they are outliers and outsiders because of their sickness. He's writing to the, uh, the kid on the playground who doesn't get picked, and he's writing, too, to that same scared kid who's now trapped in an adult's body, to those people who feel like they're never on the inside. He's writing, I think, also to, to anyone who knows what it feels like to be isolated. Huh, there's some people like that now, aren't there? Some of you know what it feels like to be isolated, to be sitting on the inside and, and looking out on the world, but in some weird way to feel as if you're actually on the outside looking in at a world that has forgotten about you. Right? This passage, this letter, is proclaiming a gospel that is for people who feel on the outside, for those parents who feel like they're in over their head, for those, those people who feel as if life is falling apart at the seams. Paul's writing to, to those believers, to Christians, to people who log on to a website to watch a sermon on video on a screen and yet somehow still feel as if they don't believe enough or don't believe the right thing or don't believe at all. Paul's writing to those people who feel as if they're on the outside. He's writing to anyone who knows what it, it's like to be exiled, to be, to be sent away. And when the time comes to return back home to be timid and worried about the reception you will or will not receive. Paul's writing... <laughs> In a sense, then, to, to anyone who has ever known what it feels like to have someone else look at you and, and say to you over and over, well, um, you just don't quite belong here, but that's okay because just over that fence, just outside, you can set up shop there. Paul is writing to anyone who knows what it feels like to be on the outside. And is any of this, is any of this, Paul asks, enough to separate us from the love of God? Is any of this, Paul asks, enough to keep us outside the fence? And the answer comes back unequivocally, no. You know, one of the most important Christian teachers in my life was David Bartlett. And David Bartlett once said something like, 
uh, Christians, followers of Christ, are, are people who don't um, come home every night and sit down and tally up all their achievements and all their disappointments in order to know whether or not God is God. Christians, Bartlett said instead, Christians are people who look to the cross of Good Friday and to the empty tomb of Easter morning. Christians are people who look to the life, the ministry, and the love of Jesus Christ. And who know, who just know that God is God. Christians are people who can face every achievement, every success, and every disappointment in life, no matter what the scoreboard reads, and know that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ. For I am convinced, Paul writes, I am convinced that neither angels nor demons, neither height nor depth, neither life nor death can possibly separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ. Friends, hear again the good news this day. The good news that God never sleeps that the fence never stops moving. Friends, come inside, for there is a place for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.